Hi, this is Joe Benzo with the Casper Association. We're empowering countless projects, exchanges, partners, and groundbreaking Web3 applications. I'm excited to be on the edge of NFT, empowering listeners everywhere with the countless aspects of Web3 they need to know. Enjoy. Hey, NFT curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn how Casper blockchain has evolved to provide secure and authenticated NFTs. And why buying even more digital assets is the goal of our guests who already has some really special NFTs. Finally, we review an article called Your NFTs Are Actually, Finally, Totally Worthless. We disagree. And yes, it's official. You can dive into the captivating world of artificial intelligence with our new Edge of AI podcast. Join us as we explore the frontiers of AI and its impact on our lives. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at edgeof underscore AI and LinkedIn for exciting updates and insights. You can also visit our new website, edgeofai.xyz. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Welcome to our first Edge of Casper show. This is the beginning of amazing conversations where we oversee the evolution of Casper Network, a blockchain supporting innovative tech giants, as well as decentralized applications and platforms featuring both upgradable smart contracts and predictable gas fees. They also have a great new show called Casper Blockchain Podcast that you can check out on Spotify or by visiting casper.network and clicking on news. Today's episode features Joe Benzo of Casper Network, a meeting ground for reliability and innovation in blockchain. Joe, the head of content at Casper Association, hails from Zug, Switzerland, the heart of Crypto Valley. His journey began in radio and television in Los Angeles, transitioning into a brand and digital strategist role for global sports and music giants. Not only has he ignited Web3 and music startups, but he's also the co-founder of the anticipated Casper NFT drop, Outlaw Dogs. The Casper blockchain universe boasts over 140 projects, exchanges, partners, and groundbreaking Web3 applications. Crafted for effortless blockchain integration, Casper supports ambitious developers and entrepreneurs propelling its ecosystem into exciting new frontiers. Joe, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Josh. appreciate that introduction. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you on, man. It was fun hanging out to in Singapore. Man, that was just like last week, but it feels like a long time ago. How's your jet lag been? Yeah, I mean, we've been all over the world, especially this year, Singapore Token 2049. It was great to see you guys there. Thanks for coming to our after hours party with the Killer Whales team and Hello Labs and all the other sponsors that are part of that show. And glad you guys can make it and see what was going on there. Jet lag, I hate jet lag, but I love visiting new cities and I'd never been to Singapore before. And I got to say, I don't know what your guys' experience was, but it did not feel like a bear market at all. Tons of excitement. And I'm looking forward to the next event. Yeah, it was thriving over there. I mean, you guys had quite the crowd of, of not only folks from Asia, but from all over the world that are just excited about all the potential in the blockchain ecosystem and of course Casper. So it was cool to see that IRL. 
Richard, what were yeah. your impressions? Yeah, first of all, the venue that y'all had, sensational. It was the top of this really cool building. You could like see out into the city and into the water. And music was playing great. We were able to showcase the upcoming show, which was really cool. And it was packed in there, man. Again, a lot of excitement, a lot of fun. For those listening and tuning in, you can check out what was all said in a cool episode that's dropping really soon. So, you know, just excited for all the really cool things that Casper has going on. Yeah, we whipped together this like mini recap of that party. And I think it sort of leads me to a conversation I want to have with you because there's this new reality show, Killer Wheels, that you guys are supporting. And a lot of interesting projects coming through that show. The VCs were really active in Asia, aggressively trying to figure out their alpha for what's next. So mm-hmm. at the same time, there's this like conversation now as the NFT market continues to drop, maybe more parabolically than the blockchain market by a smidge. Where are we at with NFTs? Mm-hmm. We've been talking about utility for a long time. Is there enough utility in terms of NFTs? What do you think? One of the reasons why I was so excited to come on this show is because obviously Edge of NFT, you guys have been on the ground since the last couple of years, at least. I know we first caught up with you guys at one of the first NFT NYC events when the market was extremely frothy. Anybody and their grandmother were trading NFTs or launching an NFT project. So where NFTs are at now, I think, is actually a natural cycle of when any new technology comes around, which NFTs, non-fungible tokens, at the heart of it, it really excited me when I realized what smart contracts are capable of doing, what is an NFT and how that's going to affect multiple industries. But when you have a lot of hype around the potential, some of those narratives get lost, especially when the things that are driving this excitement is very much rooted in the promise of earning something and making money. And so there was a lot of money being thrown around speculative on NFTs. And for me, it looked very similar to the ICO hype around 2017, 2018, when everybody was creating an ICO and raising millions of dollars, raising millions of ETH for their projects, which were kind of on the backs of simple white papers. And that was about it. So we've had a lot of NFT projects that also didn't really have much meat on the bones. And often projects didn't really even understand what they could be doing with this technology. So I feel like now that the smoke has cleared a little bit, we've gone through this cycle where a lot of these projects have died off. People realize, of course, this was a bubble, but I'm of the very strong belief that we will see another massive, probably, in my opinion, even bigger than before wave of excitement around NFTs, whether the mass public or people that are involved in the ecosystem continue to call it NFT because it has such a tinged reputation. For me, it's around, yes, the utility. It was very cliche and buzz term, right, for a while. I really do think that we're entering into a phase where those that have stuck around, those that have been passionate about the technology, those that do understand what NFTs can actually enable, represent, and actually create more efficiencies and business models, really, around a lot of industries and disrupting a lot of industries. We're starting to see the roots of some of those seeds that have been planted now start to take shape, and we're seeing that on Casper. And we're actually extremely bullish about NFTs 
going forward. And I think this is the calm before the next storm. Yeah, there's a lot you shared there. I would say that as I've reflected on this word hype, I think that hype isn't bad on its surface, right? I think that there's hype in fashion, there's hype in e-commerce, there's hype in entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And hype can be good to a certain extent. I think we had an excess of hype. And I think it wasn't necessarily done to the extent that people could keep their promises. And I think when it's all an experiment, we should call it experimental and sort of caveat that hype a little bit more and be a little bit more careful with our words because when you start going to a second sort of degree of conversation, third degree, and then it translates to media very differently than maybe the intent of the original voice of the author, right? It's something I think we've all learned around choosing our words more carefully, thinking about more achievable milestones along the way, not only going for the big rocks, but the small ones. And then I also think it comes down to really like figuring out what utility matters the most. I mean, clearly there's really interesting utility around membership, around gaming, around rewards and loyalty. These are things that can be done really well. And there's also some really interesting enterprise use cases that we still have even tapped into because it takes a little longer to develop. But we saw early indications of that, like Roofstock sold the first home on the blockchain using an NFT on OpenSea. And that was pretty incredible. And they've done that several times, I believe now. And they've been on the show. And people have been talking about that for years, right? And I guess my last prediction before we move on, since this is such a fun topic, we go on for a while, that I think there's going to be more hybrid economies where you're mixing NFTs and other mechanisms, including tokens and other sort of things together to create like more value. For example, like what ApeCoin has done in interacting with Mochaverse, for example, and, and things like that. So those are some of my thoughts. Yeah. And Joe, I'll keep mine quick. I have just two points that you mentioned, right? The the first one is just the hype cycle. So like when you look at the history of NFTs, NFTs haven't been around for a very long time, but it saw its first spotlight in 2021 to 2023. It's the end of 2022, right? It's first cycle. When you look at the first ICO boom, when the first rest of the market that wasn't Bitcoin start to emerge, it had its first cycle. So 17 to 18, you saw this huge run up and then you saw what? 85 to 96% retracement over the next two years. What are we seeing? Something very similar in the NFT market. So not all cycles repeat, but they rhyme. And so I think we're seeing something like that. So the products that survived that moment in the regular ICO boom that stuck around, they thrived in that next bull run that you saw from 2020, 2022. I think the same thing is going to happen for the NFT products that stuck around, found utility, found ways to make themselves useful into the future. The second piece, though, is learning, right? So there's a lot of lessons learned from that cycle into the next where those projects were able to have a lot of success. I think those types of projects are doing that. And in saying that, one of the things I want to bring up with Casper is that it's evolved a lot of ways in offering secure and authenticated NFTs. Can you kind of walk us through like, what has that journey been like? And how do you think that's going to help people thrive into this next cycle? From a product side, I mean, my role is really to go back to that that hype role, actually. So my job is to get as many people aware of what Casper is, what it can do for developers, how developers and projects can use NFTs 
compared to other offerings, other layer ones. And we feel like we have a very unique offering as a layer one public blockchain. And so from the Casper Association's point of view, our role is really to kind of be a steward for the public blockchain, open up opportunities for developers, make sure that there's a a strong kind of open source component to the work that's being built for the public blockchain. However, we do have this symbiotic relationship with Casper Labs, who is building out a lot of really the core infrastructure for the chain itself and responsible for that. But the unique thing here is that Casper offers a public or private or hybrid infrastructure. And the reason that that's interesting is because some of this adoption around NFTs, around these use cases that haven't yet been kind of really executed well, for one reason or another, maybe the blockchain that is being used or enterprises look at other public blockchains like Ethereum. The unique thing with Casper is the upgradability aspect of it. And so we really think that there's this strong use case and strong kind of differentiating factor with Casper. And it's not necessarily a new concept in blockchain, but the way that we like to offer our NFT standard is really to be able to be modular for a lot of use cases. And when we talk about upgradability for the enterprise application, enterprises to a large degree need to be compliant right? For a lot of regulatory bodies, whatever it may be, but compliance is a big factor. And so if you launch a smart contract on Ethereum, for example, that's locked in, right? And there's very limited ways to update information or update the smart contract itself. The unique tools and tool set that Casper can offer to developers provides a wide range of flexibility for a wide range of use cases from the enterprise most rigorous kind of demanding applications down to getting back to typical NFT projects where a small team can launch a 10K PFP collection in a much more efficient and secure manner on Casper. So yeah, I mean, from the genesis of where Casper has been, I think this long-term vision, or let's say this building for the long-term, building for the future, building the rails and the infrastructure to get to the point where markets are ready to adopt this infrastructure. And from a technical side, I would encourage developers to go look at all of our developer documentation. Again, my role is to really make sure that those resources are available and make sure that we're offering something that is going to be future-proof, is going to be allow people to build out using blockchain in a way that is efficient for them. Let's talk about that. I mean, what are some of the sort of ways that businesses can utilize upgradable NFTs? Because that's a pretty unique value add that Casper brings to the table. I remember Medha talking about this quite a while back with the first NFT LA. And it was a powerful moment for me to think about the fact that we don't have to think about NFTs as rigidly as we once did. I think that's for sure. At this point, there's new standards being developed. A lot of really creative hybrid use cases like we were talking about earlier. But how can businesses utilize upgradable NFTs? You brought up Meta. I mean, Meta Parlakar, CTO, Casper Labs. She's really a driving force and also articulating kind of she has a very strong enterprise background. We have a number of materials out there where Meta is on video talking about going into a very deep dive on those use cases for enterprise. But the thing that strikes me and kind of like the obvious is the ability 
and the necessity to be flexible as an enterprise, as businesses need to shift with whatever market dynamics they need to operate within. And again, going back to regulatory compliance, this is a big factor for large enterprise clients where they want to put some data or information on the blockchain. Maybe a law has changed or something in their industry has changed and they need to make adjustments to that code. That's something with a modular infrastructure that Casper provides. They can do that in a secure manner without risk to damage to the data or security or privacy or a lot of kind of dynamic options. And so for enterprise use cases, I think the answer is really kind of this modularity, this flexibility, predictability. When we're talking about predictable gas fees, for example, these are all factors that come into play that aren't necessarily decision factors for your average kind of NFT collector, for example. Again, that would just be one use case. Appreciate the use cases. And I've also had some conversation with Meta. Like you said, she's very articulate with all the different ways that y'all are creating ways for things to keep being built in a more efficient way and also in a more protected and secure way. And Casper now has been around for about five years and you've seen peaks, valleys, good, bad, and are constantly building to improve and make things even better for your ecosystem. Can you kind of walk us through like, what has that ecosystem maturity been like for Casper? And what are some of the things you've been, been, been focusing on? Yeah. I mean, the blockchain itself really mainnet didn't really go live until just a little over two years ago. So in that short period of time, it's been a constant kind of upgrading of the protocol. So I know that the Casper Labs team has a very ambitious roadmap. We just went through a one of the biggest protocol upgrades since mainnet launch. This was called the 1.5, actually 1.5.2 upgrade. And it really is on par with some of the kind of industry standard expectations that developers would look to in a blockchain to build on top of. We are a relatively new chain compared to a Solana, Cardano, obviously Ethereum. However, our roots have come from kind of this Ethereum ecosystem. Casper is actually derived from a technical term that came about that Vitalik actually coined as part of Ethereum and as it was being built out. But the Meta and Renal, Manohar CEO, Casper Labs, I think they envisioned a blockchain that was very powerful for those enterprise use cases and envisioned time when, yes, blockchain is going to be used for all kinds of things. And the market at the time, and I would say even now, has kind of overlooked those demands and those requirements that large enterprise facing clients will need in a blockchain to actually take advantage of that. And that's kind of where Casper has positioned itself. And interestingly enough, those kind of that hardcore enterprise grade level technology and rails and infrastructure lends itself very well to some of the things that are maybe less demanding. And so offers up a lot of efficiencies and unique ways of interacting with NFTs for gaming, for example, we're seeing a lot of potential around our NFT standard what, to really take advantage of some gamified ecosystems. What's an example, Joe? Like, what is one specific thing that you guys yeah. can do for a game better than anybody else? 
This is one thing that I've been excited about as I've been called an NFT degen before. Anything that I see that could be interesting for the ongoing development of just the NFT space in general excites me. And since I've joined Casper, even over two years ago, there have been other exciting projects and other chains, but I've always been confident that Casper has a unique tool set that's going to be very powerful and very useful If we're talking about games, I'll give you one example. So a new standard is emerging on Ethereum. I think it's called ERC-6551. Essentially, it's a way for NFTs to own NFTs. And so you have an account essentially owns and holds other assets, right? Or other NFTs. So my board ape could, as an ERC-721, could actually, for lack of a better way to describe it, just kind of... I'll dumb it down for a bit because my understanding is dumb as well. But an NFT can own an NFT, right? And that's a very powerful thing if you're thinking of characters inside of video games, for example, where your character owns a set of assets that are valuable in the game. Now you have a system where you can add all kinds of additional benefits and value to that existing digital asset that is provably yours, right? So on Ethereum, that's another standard, right? So on Casper, that comes native on chain with our CEP78 standard, where it's essentially multi-sig level control of the NFT, and you can have weighted key management. So you have weighted management access of whatever that NFT represents. If that NFT represents a deed to a high-value piece of real estate, or if that NFT represents a whole host of NFTs that are actually collectively owned by this one asset. That can be anything, really. It's really up to your own imagination. And things like that, when you start thinking about these digital things, kind of abstracting that away into, let's say, kind of physical ownerships, you can start to imagine some new ways of interacting, new revenue streams opening up, new business models opening up. And that's something that's super exciting for me, especially when we see some traction around just Web3 gaming in general. So we see that kind of macro trend taking off. And then we see the advantages that games, if they were launched on Casper, could have over other kind of larger ecosystems on Ethereum, for example. So we're super bullish and super excited about kind of telling that story, making sure that people understand the benefits if you're going to be building, that these are some really powerful tools that unlock so many new opportunities. And that's something that obviously I'm very passionate about. And we're super excited about where that's going. Yeah, as you should be, man. That sounds really cool. And I think dumbing it down and making that example is really good. I think people could visualize it. I know myself, I can visualize it. And it's cool that Casper is making that happen natively. Now, that's just one of the many things that's on your roadmap. I know you have several other things. I know you have some really cool tokenization, financial standards, and things for your devs, all kinds of stuff. But what are some specific things on the roadmap that people should look forward to? I know you have Killer Wells coming up and some yeah. other things. Just want to let you talk on some of that. I think it's important to get people excited again about where things can go. Make people understand that this thing called an NFT is not some stupid monkey JPEG. It's that also, maybe, but that's just one small, tiny aspect of it. It's really an opportunity to kind of open up new ways to explore, which is really kind of at least why I got into this space in the first place. And I think a lot of people, why they got into this space in the first place is that potential of where things are going. I think we're seeing that kind of 
at that knee inflection point, right, on the hockey stick growth curve, where the adoption of this technology, I think, is inevitable for a lot of industries. And we're seeing the maturity of a lot of the technology being built out. We're spending a lot of resources and a lot of time, especially with our R&D department, Mark Greenslade, brilliant member of the Casper Association, really driving a lot of the vision around where things can go, trying to stay on the bleeding edge of blockchain. We're doing a lot of work around zero knowledge proofs and how that can be implemented on top of Casper. Also really important, one of our core pillars is tokenization. And Ralph Kubli speaks in depth as a thought leader around tokenization of financial assets, smart financial contracts, where, as he puts it, a lot of the financial contracts today are dumb tokens or the financial tokens are dumb tokens, right? Where it can be a representation of a PDF. That's what you lock up as an NFT. And what we're doing a lot of work on is around what's called the ACTA standard. That stands for algorithmic contract type unified standards. That's a mouthful. But there's a lot of effort to make sure that we have open source standards and ISO compliance standards that gets regulatory approval and adoption. And so we are supporting initiatives like Actus that would enable algorithmic smart financial contracts to monitor and distribute cash flows on the Casper blockchain where it's a trustless system in this case. And so, yeah, I mean, it is disruptive to a lot of the kind of incumbent industry around finance. And there's a lot of people that would need to adopt some of these new protocols, but it's extremely exciting. I think it's obviously when any technology comes and is more disruptive than the previous generation's technology, you're going to have these kind of choppy waters, so to speak, right around this. But the reality is there are systems that we're very supportive of. We're building together with the Actus protocol and supporting zero knowledge proofs and all this forward, future-proof looking technology is not going away anytime soon. So yeah, there's a lot to look forward on our roadmap. Short term, I would say games. Yeah, that was like the word of the day all over Asia. I feel like I heard that word more than I heard hello and how are you? <laughs> it's right. just like, everyone just want to talk about games. So yeah. for those that think that, oh, GameFi got overheated, there's a lot of game building out there yeah. happening. It's really exciting stuff. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today.
Well, that was fun. So, Joe, you're a podcaster. So the next segment should be pretty easy for you, but right. we'll see. It's called Edge Quick Hitters. That's hard for me, actually. All right. Well, if we're talking about me. That's hard. I could talk about anybody else but me. We'll see. It's a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. There's okay. going to be 10 questions, and we're just looking for short, single word or few word responses. But feel free to expand if you get the urge. So, I'm going to ask you if you're ready. I know you're like half ready, but I think you're actually ready. Okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Okay. And now that I'm reflecting on this, it might not come to as a surprise that I'm like into NFTs. I remember purchasing baseball cards. Nice. Yeah. I see a kind of a parallel between collectibles. Yeah. That's our goal here is to like get into your subconscious and like yeah. make you learn more about yourself from being on the show. <laughs> right. This is like a nice therapy session. We'll send you the bill. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? I do remember this because it taught me kind of the value of entrepreneurship. I remember being in first grade and after lunch, kids would want to chew chewing gum. And so I realized I could get a large package of chewing gum at a discount and my friends would pay me per stick of a piece of gum because I had it in my locker. And so I was there at the right time with a product that people wanted and it was a valuable lesson for me. There you go. Thank God you weren't living in Singapore. You'd be in jail for I know. <laughs> like 300 years and broke at this point. I know. I saw that. Yeah, that was surprising to me. But yeah, I didn't have any wild. gum in Singapore. So I was a law abiding tourist. So for all those listening in, if you've never been to Singapore, Singapore is very strict on a lot of things. And one of the things is chewing gum. But next question for you, what is the most recent thing you purchased? I have two kids, so it would be a Jurassic Park dinosaur toy. And nice. groceries. We got to buy groceries. Absolutely. I'm sure they love that gift. What's the most recent thing you sold? Most recent thing I sold? An old bike upgraded to an e-bike here. I live in Europe and e-bikes are, yeah. I mean, okay, I'm lazy. I sold my bike without the electricity. All right. So you have to go like five times as far now to get the same amount of exercise. That's so. true. So look forward to some long bike tracks, hopefully. A lot of nice places to bike around where you are, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't mind going five times as long. Austria is a beautiful country. I'm a proud expat. I say I'm living the American dream here in Austria. There you go. I haven't been over there, but it's on my list. What is your most prized possession? I do prize some of my NFTs quite highly, and I think... Some of them are my possession to hand down. I actually look at some of these NFTs as pretty important digital artifacts 10, 20, 30 years down the line. When my kids are old enough, I think I'm going to hand them off to them. And, and that's the and, interesting and fun way to think about NFTs and, for the next generation. Any in particular that sort of have a special place in your heart? Yeah, I use my CryptoPunk often for my like social identities. I have some bored apes. I'm still very bullish on the Yugo. What's your CryptoPunk's coolest attribute? Well, I was told by Von Mises, who is a legend in this space, that he likes the silver chain. Nice. Well, besides every CryptoPunk, if you could buy anything in the world, digital physical service experience is currently for sale, what would it be? Wow. I think the answer to that question, like 
undoubtedly is going to be some form of an NFT. Like an NFT is going to represent whatever that amazing thing is going to be. I think when you ask people in 10, 20 years from now, whatever their answer is, I think it's probably going to be a good percentage of them that's actually going to be an NFT. So yeah, I'll stick with that. So it's going to be an NFT. You kind it's of going to represent something. What is it? What rep- is it going to represent? You kind of evaded the question. You did. I mean, I, I think for sure it's going to represent membership access to some exclusive club that I think maybe is doing doing good in the world. Probably my house will be an NFT. All right. Yeah, all right. That. I don't know why people call you an NFT degen, but I think I'll figure it out by the end of this call. <laughs> <laughs> if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I'm always struggling with trying to monitor myself as I'm raising two young boys and, <laughs> and trying to see which personality traits are good ones to hand off to. I think it's important to, if you have kids, instill in them the value of kindness in the world, hard work, determination, and treating everybody fairly. I agree. Those are three amazing traits. So like you said, on the other side... I don't know if those are my traits, but I try to push those (laughs) off. (laughs) So if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Yeah, I would say focus more on being in the moment now and appreciating gratefulness and not getting too caught up in the work, really. Yeah. Well, where you are in the world and helps you do that. So you have an advantage over some folks. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I picked up dinner for my kids. (laughs) Nice. I see a theme here. And what are you going to do next after the podcast? Yeah. Assuming they're still up, I'm going to help my wife take them to bed. So those of you parents out there with young kids, you probably can relate. But yeah, it's another full-time job, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And Richard, we have a bonus question? We do. So I'd like to wrap up with a bonus question. So as an expat, for someone thinking about traveling the world, what advice would you give them based on your own experiences? Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in seeing how other cultures live. My advice would be is try to go deep on any one area that you travel and stay there and and try to live how the locals live and, and get a sense of time and how the daily life is anywhere in the world. I think that's interesting and important and gives fresh perspectives on just how people live anywhere around the world. The quickest way to get there, I would say, my quickest way to get there is go eat what the locals eat. Nice. Yeah. Totally agree. Richard and I learned a lot about each other on this last two weeks on the road together. Overall, I think it was good things. We didn't want to strangle each other by the end of the trip, (laughs) but we definitely shared a sense of adventure when it comes to eating the local cuisine. One morning we woke up and realized in Seoul, no one really like leaves their house till like 10, 11 a.m., but we Mm. were hungry. So we found that the early morning spots in Seoul are soup spots. And we got to have this delicious beef rib soup that was like amazing. They gave us like aprons and there's a picture somewhere in social of that experience. It's pretty amazing. Nice. I'm sorry I missed that experience. I haven't been to Seoul either, but that sounds like a nice morning uh, wake up. I haven't had beef soup for breakfast, so that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We love having listeners like you because you're not only generous, but you're smart and you want to maximize the impact of your generosity. Donating money to help people can be a wonderful and selfless act, but how can you feel confident that your donations are improving or saving lives effectively? 
You could do weeks of research to find the charities that are out there, programs that they run, how effective those programs are, and how the charity might use your money. Or you could visit GiveWell.org. There, you'll get a short vetted list of the best charities they've found at saving or improving lives per dollar. GiveWell spends over 20,000 hours each year researching charitable organizations and only recommends a few of the highest impact evidence back to charities they've found. Here's an example of how we at Edge of NFT make our charitable contributions go super far. Quick search on GiveWell's website, found their maximum impact fund, clicked donate, sent crypto to their address, done. Their maximum impact fund distributes quarterly to the charities that they believe will do the most good. GiveWell accepts a broad variety of popular tokens and provides a simple way to document your donation. If you've never donated to GiveWell's recommended charities before, you can have your donation matched up to $250 before the end of the year or as long as matching funds last. To claim your match, go to GiveWell.org and pick podcast and enter Edge of NFT at checkout. Make sure they know you heard about GiveWell from Edge of NFT to get your donation matched. We're going to move on now to segment three, which is hot topics, where we're just going to talk about at least one thing that's been in the news recently. And we kind of touched on it earlier, but there's an article in Rolling Stone recently that that's caught a lot of attention. Your NFTs are actually finally totally worthless. So basically, there's a new report called Dead NFTs, the Evolving Landscape of the NFT Market from DAP Gamble, and it's a community of experts in finance and blockchain technology. They analyzed 73,257 NFT collections, and they found that 69,795 have a market cap of zero ETH, which is, of course, the second most popular cryptocurrency, and that 95% of NFTs are essentially not worth anything at this moment. The study estimates that some 23 million investors own these tokens of no value. I'm sure you guys saw this article. Did any thoughts jump out to you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's sensationalism, right? Like, I think I read something somewhere where like, yeah. I mean, if you have all of these collections, right, half of these collections, I don't know how many of these collections are actually legitimate collections, but it speaks to kind of like, I think the narrative that people also want to hear because there was a lot of kind of obnoxious stories of <laughs> of people just getting rich off of trading JPEGs and kind of the mass market and general population who aren't in blockchain or NFTs or in this technology and, and follow along with the hype or the reasons why anybody would even care. I mean, to an outsider, it did seem ridiculous with a lot of this money sloshing around and trading hands for these JPEGs. And a lot of these projects are just images, right? With no real community, no real utility, no intention of having any. So again, I mean, that's what you get when there's a hype around this, something like a new technology, but history repeats itself where it rhymes, right? As you said, Richard. And I mean, I'm just waiting for the moment where we have somebody holds up this tweet, right? And we're in another phase of the market. We're in another phase of the adoption cycle of this technology. And you're going to be able to look back on a moment like this and say, it does feel short-sighted, but honestly, the news is designed to be short-sighted. People have very, very short attention spans. So if you can catch people's attention in three seconds, then a headline like that is going to resonate. People aren't don't really want to listen as to why NFTs are actually going to be the essential kind of building block for commerce yeah. uh, going forward. And it's worth noting, if you scroll down to the end of this research piece, 
in bold font, NFTs still have a place in the future. They just need to provide genuine utility and be historically relevant, aka first edition, true art as well. I think it definitely was good clickbait. Some interesting data in there. A lot of folks are sort of taking a break from NFT trading right now, but they're taking a break from other types of trading right now because the overall economic downturn globally has impacted people's sort of leisurely choices of behavior, right? A lot more Netflix, a lot more biking, not bad things. I think we as a society are shifting and evolving as we speak. And we had a little bit more time on our hands and to trade JPEGs. And there was a speculator component to this. A lot of those NFTs that are down to zero had no roadmap. They had no long-term value built into them. But the ones that do, still being actively traded today. So I think I have, con- uh, context is important. Yeah. It is. And again, going back to my, my two quick thoughts. The first is when you think about cryptocurrencies, where are they? They're blockchain startups. So when you think about the NFT space, where are they? Again, startups. And so when you think about all startups, 90% of them fail, right? So it's probably even more so in art. It's probably 95% of them fail. And when you go and do the math on this, that about tracks. So that those numbers add up, makes sense. The second thing is, is this is the first rise of this NFT market where the rise of the PFPs, these artists that did not a lot of utility. Here's a really cool artwork and you're collecting art. So if you look at the history of art, there's been a lot of artists, right? I was an artist once upon a time. I made macaroni art, gave it to my dad. Doesn't mean it's worth much today. Most of those aren't going to necessarily make it because there isn't a lot of repeat value and it's trying to capture something in this moment instead of trying to have the long-term utility. So even looking at some of these artists that came out and created these art pieces, they're not business people. If they're a startup and they came out and they created this really cool thing, but they had no business plan, business model, they're going to fail. So going back to the model of 90 to 95% of all startups are going to fail, this tracks. So those are my thoughts. I would also say like, definitely not financial advice. I know you always have to say that, but I mean, this, in my opinion, art as the one kind of like utility of NFTs, I think has a huge future ahead. And so authenticating the provenance of a piece of art on the blockchain, I think is going to be very significant and very valuable in terms of, yeah, the historical significance and the collector significance of some of these art pieces. And I mean, I would take a look at some of the one-of-one significant additions on, for example, our blocks platform the ringers, for example, or fidenzas or autoglyphs, for example, CryptoPunks. So these are all kind of historically significant and, and generative pieces that I think have long-term value. And these are some of the things that I'm looking at to potentially invest in, not financial advice, but I think there's also a big opportunity for people if, if they buy into this, NFTs are worthless. Well, I'm happy for that narrative to go and pick up some stuff off the floor. Yeah, I mean, we know that art has been one of the most consistent appreciating assets globally over history. And I think that the digital art market got a little bit over penalized based on sort of the overall sort of broader hype cycle that we've been through with NFTs. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where you get this like potential alpha there that you mentioned. Hey, you know, guys, we've been talking a lot of the show about travel and jet lag and the fact that we just got back from Singapore in Seoul, but that's not where it all ends because the future of blockchain summit 2023 is coming up soon in Dubai and I will be hitting the road again. 
This is the pinnacle event for blockchain and cryptocurrency. It's set to take place October 15th through the 18th at the Dubai Harbor. And from San to Satoshi, this conference promises to empower disruptors, inspire change makers, and fuel innovators in Web3, blockchain, crypto, NFTs, the metaverse, and gaming. It's a whole mix of stuff. And consider this your golden ticket to mind experiencing discussions, hands-on workshops, an array of thrilling activities that offer a sneak peek in what lies ahead in the world of technology. So I'm pretty excited about this. And I guess, Richard, I can tell from the expression in your face that there's a little bit of FOMO brewing there. Definite FOMO. I unfortunately am not going to be able to make this one, but I was looking across and looking at the lineup of speakers and even looking at some of the sponsors. You know, one is just going to be there, BitGo, BitGet, Binance. A lot of the larger companies are going to be in attendance. And it's really cool to see even some of the speaking lineup, some of the people that I've been trying to uh, look out for. So like people from Engine Starter, people from Circle, one of the big sponsors where we just came from at Token 2049 was Islamic Coin, which I had a really good conversation with one of their co-founders and several others. So, I mean, I th- it looks like it's going to be a pretty sick conference with over 200 speakers. And one of the speakers is actually going to be you. Do you know what you're going to be speaking on yet? Yeah. I don't know if it's official, so I don't want to sort of forgo the embargo on the information, but they have a really cool talk in mind for me to facilitate, of course, around the future of where all this amazing Web3 technology is going. But we'll announce that talk sooner than later, maybe before this show comes out. Yeah, I just echo what you said, Richard. I mean, there's a lot of activity brewing in Asia, but there's also a lot going on in Dubai, they really laid out the red carpet for folks that are excited about innovation and technology, not just blockchain, but across all of emerging tech to come, to get to know what's going on over there, to gather together, to talk about the future. So I don't take it lightly getting on the road so quickly again, but this seems totally worth it. So I'm pretty pumped. So listen, everyone, whether you're diving in as an enthusiast or just dipping your toes into Web3, This is the event you absolutely don't want to miss. If you've heard about all this fun stuff going on in Dubai, this is the event to check out. Go to futureblockchainsummit.com and see me over there in Dubai in just a couple of weeks. Interesting conversation, guys. Thanks for indulging in hot topics. This has been a really nice beginning, Joe, to our sort of set of content with Hasper. Thanks for giving us this nice overview of Hasper and what's going on in the digital collectible side of things. Just wanted to sort of ask you a little bit more about where people can go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on. Maybe kind of give us a little bit of a sneak peek of Outlaw Dogs. I sort of have this howling noise of my dogs used to howl all the time. And as I say, Outlaw Dogs in the background, and then maybe more about the grants program, just where do people go to dive deeper? Absolutely. We spent a lot of time trying to streamline our information for developers, for users, for people in general, just looking more about blockchain and where Casper fits in along your journey down that blockchain rabbit hole. So casper.network, www.casper.network would be a good first starting point for people to deep dive down. We have links out there to connect on our newsletter, obviously all of our socials, developer resources. Just recently launched a developer portal for developers. We'll work on a lot of tutorials, but the core landing page really right now is casper.network. 
and outlaw dogs any anything going on there yet sure yeah as i said you know one of the big themes for us is really like the creator economy ip intellectual property gaming so all of these things kind of have elements inside a project that i'm involved in that is outlaw dogs it's a multi-chain project launching on ethereum but also a companion nft on Casper that we're launching, where the gaming ecosystem is going to play out. We just entered into a partnership with Wisdom Gaming. So we're very excited about the resources that they bring to the table, leaders in esports based out of Minnesota. So we're super excited about demonstrating the value and potential of what Casper can bring to an NFT project. Outlaw Dogs is a Wild West themed, pioneering PFP-based project. So we take inspiration from projects like Bored Apes, but we also, from the beginning, are implementing mechanics and gameplay into this project. Poker is going to be a big component of the project itself. But yeah, we just see an opportunity here to kind of demonstrate the value of Casper, do something innovative in the NFT space, using the Casper CP78 standard, having those NFTs hold other NFTs. We think we have a very exciting and fun game component to this that I think people are going to really get excited about. And then a partnership with Wisdom Games is going to be really exciting. And with Outlaw Dogs, can people go anywhere yet to track that? Sure. The outlawdogs.io. Nice. All right. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFT for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers. They'll make this journey also much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Then go to Edge of NFT to further dive down this rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Last, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, and privacy policy. Thank you.